1: Growing Pains, i.e., parenting podcast, in
0: association with Safe Food, helping you make better food choices. Hi, I'm Irene Feehan, and welcome to Growing Pains, the Irish Examiner's parenting podcast series in association with Safe Food. With me today is Richard Hogan, he is Clinical Director of Therapy Institute.ie a family psychotherapist and author of the recently published and bestselling book, Home is Where the Start Is. For the next 20 minutes, we'll be talking about Wired for Addiction, how gaming produces neurological responses that promote reward and pleasure. Thank you for joining us in our studio today, Richard.
1: Good to see you, Irene.
0: So many children play with loot boxes. These are sealed mystery boxes that can be opened through playing games or just by asking for real money. So what impact do they have on children?
1: Yeah, well, there are these little boxes, un- unknowable boxes that are inside games. And so the content of those, as I said, are unknowable to you, but they help you to get through the levels quicker. And so just think about that for a second. An, an unknowable, desirable outcome, you know, and you're putting money on it to see what it's going to be. And then it doesn't turn out to be the thing that you want it to be, or it does turn out to be the thing you want to be. Both of those um, trajectories there in uh, c- shoot dopamine into the brain and so whether you win or lose they make you feel a bit of, they make you feel something and that's right?
0: quite similar to what happens in gambling though. well that Sometimes is gambling you win or lose yeah. and then you get the, the dopamine hit afterwards absolutely
1: and what we found you know the study found that these things are structurally and psychologically akin to gambling so it's not like this is what we think we're kind of wondering this this is absolutely what they are they're priming that's the word I would use they're priming young kids to get into gambling if you place money on something and you don't know the outcome and, and then you get a dopamine kick when the outcome is either positive or negative, now you've entered into the world of, of like addiction and gambling.
0: Are you talking about children as young as what age? Eight. Oh yeah, I mean,
1: Even younger, Irene. Unfortunately, nine. even younger.
0: So, and what happens then? So they click on this, and are they looking for money? Or are they just beginning to get into that whole process? That uh,
1: what I've seen with families is that the kids have often taken the parents' cards, and they're like tapping the card to get the. <laughs> to go to the loot box and get the loot box and get the loot box and get the loot box the because uh, there's a bit of identity caught up in these games nowadays so you went to school and you're eight years of age and you've gone through the level at such a, such a speed everyone thinks you're a legend in my day it was if you were playing hurling at a high level or whatever you thought that guy was a legend whatever but in, in today's war landscape it's if you're really good at the games for a lot of kids gives them incredible kudos and identity and reputation with, the, with their classmates and so they buy these loot boxes to give them that kind le- of status almost yeah exactly and so Yeah, it's creating all sorts of problems. And
0: before we used to talk about kids collecting soccer cards, for example. So it's come a long way in a very short time. It's come a long
1: way in a very short time.
0: So then if you're just talking about that uh, dopamine surge that happens to children, you believe that can in time lead to risky behavior as children get older?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, there's no doubt about it. And uh, when a child becomes primed to go for that dopamine hit, let's say what the game, what the game, what those loot boxes do, it moves you into more risky behavior because the the riskier the outcome, the bigger the hit when it pays off. But what psychology would show us is that even when it doesn't pay off, you still get a dopamine hit. And so that's the danger of the cycle of like addiction. You know, you're you're just craving this, this feeling, this, this elation for a moment. And these games, I have to say, like, you know, this is really important. These games are designed by very clever people. If you think if To you keep think, you
0: playing To yeah, keep you engaged
1: If you think about The Beatles earned Over the course of Say 70 years Something like 4 billion 4.5 billion You know um, That's been the biggest Band in the history Of the world let's say And J.K. Rowling Earned about the same 4 billion These games like say Fortnite earned 4 billion in a couple Of years and it's because of these loot boxes it's because of the skins it's be- it's because of the 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 stuff inside the games the games themselves make the, make these companies ea sports or whoever it is a few quid but it's the stuff that's inside the games that they're selling the content there is what's making all the money i mean billions and billions and billions of revenue it's it's incredible and so they're not going to stop that's coming
0: from largely from children yeah,
1: well parents <laughs>
0: Funding their children's habit habit There
1: Mm. And so you know The government This is bigger In a lot of ways This is like almost It's kind of It really requires good parenting But it requires a governmental Kind of Intervention intervention here Belgium They've outlawed them Because they see This is priming our kids For you know For gambling and so we do need our government to step in here. There's a couple of issues around technology where I see pornography is a huge thing. I mean, I I, I, work in, I was talking to school recently, and the principal said to me, a child and senior infants had consumed pornography. Right, so we need to At get what it, age did you senior say again? In, senior infants? So you're right? talking about six years yeah. of age. Yeah, just I That's mean, shocking. It's shock. It is shocking, but unfortunately, not so surprising because if you have a smartphone, if you if you've got any device, you can get any pornography you want currently in our society. I mean, that is not good enough. That's beyond a parenting issue. That's a government, uh, you know, government. Did you not issue.
0: say that was a parenting issue there because there was no parental controls? Oh, well,
1: yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. The, I just think that we like, we don't allow our children to go out and smoke at six. They shouldn't be allowed to consume this stuff at six, you know, or drink out we, we we have to have laws in place here. And loot boxes and gaming, the World Health Organization, I mean, in twenty eighteen, um, classified gaming as a new mental health condition. And my, you know, I I I could sit here for hours and give you endless, endless case studies from my practice around families and children who've experienced complete devastation because of their habit.
0: So you talk about the mental health condition, yeah. but that's I presume excessive gaming because it's so it's everywhere now. Almost, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm talking kids. about severe gaming now. Uh, yes.
1: please, if you're listening to this and your child is gaming an hour a day, whatever he's, he, or he it's or okay. She, it's okay. All right. Uh, if they're not gaming and they're boys, I would say they you know there's. They probably might be outside their friendship group because they're they're generally communicating through the games. There's a paradox with these games. They're kind of social, but they're solitary as well. They're on their own, but they're communicating through them. So it's normal for them to game. But if they're gaming excessively, there's the issue.
0: Okay, so what happens then in a child where they're, okay, they are gaming, but maybe not excessively. uh, So they're getting that dopamine experience, that Mm. dopamine hit experience. uh, But there can still be a degree of concern so we talk about varying degrees mm. of dependency on on yeah. on that
1: yeah yeah um and there's another thing I'd like to just warn you just on that you know with when the mental health when when the who you know classified gaming as a, a serious mental health condition what i know in my experience is that the dsm 6 which is going to come down the road is going to classify it as a mental health condition And this is why it's the Diagnostic Statistics Manual. It's like the psychiatry Bible. And this is a real warning to parents. I'm not trying to scare them. I'm a very practical person. I I don't try to sensationalize anything. But here's the thing I see coming. They're going to medicate gaming. They're going to develop a pill that kind of helps your child not to be on games. Because because they're so dependent on the dopamine? Because they're so, exactly. They're so dependent on the games, right? And so there's no doubt about it, the who, WHO have classified it. The DSM-5, which is the one that came out a couple of years ago, has a pending. So the DSM-6 is going to have a classification and that's when the pharmacological response is going to be. And then we have to be careful that we don't have a dystopian. So you've got to parent it as parents. You've got to step in there and make sure if your child is kind of gaming... That's OK, but you need to have a good, solid boundary around it so that they're not gaming excessively. And no child, Irene, wants to be gaming all the time. I have not met any child who says, I'm really happy that I'm game- gaming until 4 o'clock in the morning and I'm not going to school the next morning and I'm gaming for 16 hours and that's the re- route my life is going great. That's not what's happening.
0: So how do you negotiate with your child and around their gaming?
1: Again, it goes back to boundaries. OK. It really goes back hmm. to boundaries. I wrote a book, Parenting the Screen I went around to about 25 schools interviewing probably about 500 students about what's going on with technology because I could see it in my clinic, the amount of families coming in around gaming and, and the disruption that was causing the families and I said to the kids, I'd meet the kids in the morning and then I'd talk to the parents in the afternoon, it was really interesting and I'd say to the children in the morning, I'd say, what don't you want me to tell your parents? And they'd say, please Richard, don't tell our parents, take the games out of the room, out of the bedroom. I said, that's really interesting. Thanks, guys. Nearly every class told me that out of of 25 schools. And when I meet the parents, I said, I met your your children, beautiful kids, lovely kids. They told me to give you a message. You got to take the games out of the
0: bedrooms. (laughs) right? Exactly what they most didn't want to happen to the kids. Because they knew once
1: the game is out of the room, the jig is up because the parents would see exactly what their gaming habit is like. And there's a bit of a complicity with parents and the games. And we have to be careful about it. In the in the 1980s, they used to say you can't outsource your parenting to Bosco. That was, a, that was a little warning about Bosco. You can't plonk your child down there and expect Bosco to parent him or her. You have to do this yourself. And so parents often get into this relationship with the games. And when I talk with parents in my clinic, they're often wondering, when am I going to see the child? I'm saying no. We're going to have this conversation for a while and figure out. Because it starts with you. Because it's, again, it's back to balance. Where did the balance come from? How who who really has the relationship with gaming that's not so great? And so we have to figure that out as
0: parents. I'm aware as a parent who worked throughout the pandemic with children as well. It was harder to enforce rules around gaming because there was very little school happening. I needed to work. So it just became an easy go to to roll back then. And I've spoken to other parents who have that difficulty. So there was a time when it it was they just were on it a lot. So how do you roll back then from that situation?
1: Yeah, Irene, you've just hit your the nail on the head of a problem for uh, so many families in this country. And that was probably what was so disruptive about uh, COVID is that um, it dismantled some of the concrete kind of boundaries that we had and school was cancelled. And then you're Which on another a, boundary, another huge concrete mm. in your child's life. And then you're told not to socialize, and you're told to get up to your room, get on your device, and you're allowed to communicate through your device. So, all those rules and boundaries changed, and they had to shift because of what was happening. We were locked down, they had to shift, right? And they allowed our children to stay connected. And so, I'm not, I'm not bashing devices and, and games, they're part of the modern.
0: They're here to stay. They're
1: absolutely here to stay. They're only going to get more sophisticated. Teenagers today are going to say, "Can you imagine in our time it was only Fortnite we had in Snapchat and Instagram?" God only knows what it's going the to be. Metaverse thir- is coming. Yeah, exactly. God only knows what's mm. coming. AI, whatever it is, mm. and they're going to be saying, "Can you imagine that? That all we had? Wasn't weren't we so innocent with our little Snapchat and our TikTok?" Um, but we have to parent it. And okay. because we feel, I think parents feel outside it, they feel like immigr- digital immigrants and the parents, children are like. Because it wasn't part natives. of their growing yeah, up experience. We don't, we, I didn't grow up with this stuff. Mm. And so you feel a bit outside it. and often when we feel a bit outside something, we kind of like reject it or we, you know, move away from it. And I say, parents, you cannot give away your parental authority to the games because you're scared of them. Figuring them out, they're actually not that hard to figure out. And my daughter's, at, you know, got a, a smartphone there for her communion. Confir sorry, confirmation, God, communion, I get hung confirmation. And it was a it was a big big debate, but when I handed it to her, I laid out all the boundaries. I was like, We'll know the passcode to this phone. We won't be checking it all the time, but we will be checking it. You don't have TikTok on your phone and you won't have this on your phone. And you know, we will and so she just had the rules laid out. And I was like, Do you agree to these rules? She's like she would say anything to get the phone at that point, but yeah. that's yes, the time to do it. That's the time to do it mm. and set down the rules. And we check it from time to time.
0: And then you're talking about laying down those conditions very early on. Then I presume she earns rights then to have more apps. or to Yeah, more. once she
1: shows, well, like she is quite sensible as so mm. well. Like if you have a child who shows very poor risk adverse thinking, they'd have no business on a smartphone. Because, you know, images are in perpetuity. They're not going to have that self control. They're not really. going to be regulated and mm. they're going to do silly things there. And God, if I had a smartphone when I was 12 or 13, Jesus, I wouldn't like to see what what the content could have been, like, you know, at at that age.
0: So you have to actually just judge by your child and their their level of maturity as well. I think
1: so, Matt. You always have to gauge the child in front of you and see what they're about and what they're capable of. And, you know, if you're worried about their risk adverse thinking and their ability to regulate themselves, I would say hold off on the smartphone because you're bringing the world into their hands.
0: What about you talk about a clinical situation that you had where a student came to you who was... addicted to gaming. Yeah,
1: w- it was one of the most shocking experiences clinically speaking with, with devices and it, it actually kind of got me to write the book uh, at that time. I, I did a piece with the Ar- Ar- Ireland AM um, about gaming uh, about when the World Health Organisation classified gaming as a mental health condition and I got him email into the clinic and this he was going to school in, in Cork and I was thinking, God, he's come up from Cork, that's bit of a trek but he came up anyway I gave him I gave him an appointment and he came up and the conversation didn't really yield anything and as he went when he went away I was kind of analyzing it to myself Irene, thinking god I didn't get much out of that what was that about and he emailed me again which I was surprised at thinking you know I didn't think he got much out of it he said I'll come back next week if that's okay and I said yeah but it's gonna be a different conversation and he came up and I just said to him look you're coming from Cork I'm really busy let's just cut through all of this psychotherapy chat I said what's going on with you and he broke down crying and told me that he is he was he was in his first year of medicine and he had kissed a gu- a, guy, a friend of his girlfriend and that ruptured his friendship and he launched into his games and disappeared into the games. Like an escape. An, escape, an absolute escape. And mm-hmm. he had done this in Fortier as well. When he was in Fortier he put on a bit of weight and he didn't want anyone to see and he went into his games and he just dis- dis- disappeared into them. And so they're really immersive. They're designed to, immer- to be immersive, to pull you into them. And so... Um, he didn't do any of his first year college exams he was now getting ready to get geared up to go back into second year as, as his parents thought they had already put the down payment on the apartment that he was going to stay in so he was living down in Cork on his own think of how think of how isolated this kid was and I asked him I said to him you know and i asked these questions very very clearly very straight out and I said have you contemplated suicide and he said yeah, yeah absolutely he said this is this was my I, I said to myself if this is, didn't work out that that would be my option and so,
0: I said, really, at an end point,
1: at an absolute end point, mm. with gaming,
0: met, he had failed his exams.
1: He didn't actually even sit them. Oh, he didn't even actually sit them. And um, I said to him, "Look, you obviously trust me enough to come up and talk to me and tell me what's going on." And I said, yeah, look, you're going to have to trust me here. We're going to have to meet your parents." I said, "It's going to be a hard conversation for everybody." I said, "For me as well as a, you know, working, it's going to be a tough conversation, but let's just." I think we should we should try this and we had the conversation and a year later back into college and off he went back into medicine and off he went into his life.
0: So what were the steps he took then to just to just separate himself from that addiction?
1: Well, first of all he he talked to somebody. Okay. Right? He got the support. And he understood why he why he why he was escaping. The game was a way where like you know he never put on weight on the avatar in the game. He was never excluded by his friend. He never kissed somebody's girlfriend in the game. In the game everything was perfect. And s- uh, and, and just such an, you know, a world where there was no pain or suffering, and so he just disappeared into that, and it was a great alternative as he saw it. But I was just showing him he's caught in a positive feedback loop. The thing he's using to satiate himself is the thing that's spiraling his life out of control. It's just a vicious circle here. And once he figured all that stuff out, he moved away from gaming.
0: So I'm just wondering then. Let's go back to parents and mm. who are dealing with what are the warning signs they need to look out for with their kids? Yeah. So what are the beginning to say, something's not right here, I need yeah. to get this back on track?
1: Really, really good question, Irene. Mm. And a, a huge one is a loss of interest in once-loved activities. You know, if your child loves swimming or they love tennis or they loved going out with the lads or the girls or whatever, and all of a sudden your daughter's not going horse riding anymore, your, your, your son isn't playing football anymore, then they're up in their room a lot. I mean, it's such a I, I know your listeners it's uh, you know it's such a huge problem
0: hard to see happening
1: very hard to see happening your once garrulous chatty daughter who now doesn't want to, eat, who's sullen when she comes into the kitchen so and just mood changes mood as changing as well. and then agitated if you actually call them down aggressive um, hygiene can be a huge problem don't even want to leave the bedroom Right. Food wise can be another huge problem. They
0: don't want to come down for meals. I had
1: one 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 for tell me. I said, to him, how did you know my one of my first conversations around this? I said to him, how do you how did you know you had a problem with gaming? He said, my mom dropped up a sandwich to me at something like six o'clock. And by 17 hours later, I realized I hadn't eaten it. He said, then I knew I had like, you know, some problem going on here. I hadn't eaten in like that, that amount of time. And I hadn't even thought about it. No. And hadn't gone to school. And it's a it's a huge part of school refusal now. And so if you see the signs, like, you know, um, low mood, wanting to get back to the house, not coming out of the bedroom, agitated, a bit aggressive, like, you know, blinds closed, screens on and all that kind of stuff. You'll a loss of interest in, in uh, once loved activities. Really good signs that there's an unhealthy relationship with games, there are devices.
0: So how does a parent step, step in then with a child who is really fixated on this with game child, yeah. being the centre of their world?
1: That child needs real intervention, real help there. When it's like that, so
0: what can the parents do even just to start that intervention? First thing I would
1: say, again, mm. it's going to cause huge problems at the start, but you got to take the games out of the bedroom. They shouldn't be in the bedroom, and that's early intervention. Don't allow it when the, when the games come into the into into the family because you, when your kids are about 8 maybe seven or eight, they start playing a bit. Few games, or that here's the gaming room if you have that luxury, but it might be just the TV room. There's the gaming room, and you can have that for forty minutes, and that's your games, and that's it then. And you got to bring that in very early And if your child is upstairs and they're on their device all night You know, you can't regulate as a parent, Irene
0: because you can't turn off the electricity, for example.
1: Well, parents, you see, they try to turn off the internet, but your child is always around, hotspotting it and getting around it, and they know how to figure it out, right? They're, they are so much more astute at this stuff than you are. And I hear parents, children, when I'm talking to parents, and the parents say, "We do this and this." I talk to the kid afterwards, and I say, "What are you doing to get around that?" And they say, "Oh, Richard, you have no idea." And they tell me all what they're doing
0: because they're just they're just it's, way it's, their, way lang- ahead it's the their it's their it's their oxygen. Yeah, okay.
1: You know, they just breathe this and stuff. it's their world. It's their world, and it's how they communicate. And also for teenage girls, they don't want to lose their Streaks this is a new thing I'm sure you mightn't have heard of this if you haven't got teenage girls It's well, no, you know, <laughs> a huge thing. even my own daughter sent me when we were going to holidays, everything will I lose out in my streaks? It's like, yeah, good luck, your phone's turned off. I just turned it off. <laughs> But the holiday. what is that? A streak is like a Kind of like a connection With a friend okay. uh, And so you kind of like Message each other back And he's like and, and Snapchat tells you How long you've been Streaking with each other And so it's like You it could be going on For like 645 Whatever it is And so you've been going on This massive streak Of connecting with each other At a particular time And this is the thing They're doing it Till three or four o'clock In the morning When they go into school It's great For your reputation Irene was up till four o'clock Last night yeah. wow. And she was stre- Wow yeah. Right, you know, yeah. and that's the problem with going to school then because they're so tired.
0: That's not strictly gaming, but it's another. It's form devices. Of it. Yeah, it's yeah, keeping it's, your child yeah. engaged, engaged, Absolutely. engaged and finding it hard gir- to pull back.
1: You know, girls aren't really gaming. It's girls who are on devices on Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok. Boys are gaming. And so they're both having the same kind of impact, deleterious impact on their well mental health. If it's excessive, it's fine if it's OK. But if it's excessive, it's having a very negative impact on them. And so as parents we just have to manage
0: it. So talk to me a little bit more about girls and just getting yeah. hooked on the whole social media side of things, the yeah, communication I, always being on. I really How does that Jesus, affect
1: I have, girls? I have three daughters myself. And I and actually, I would say the majority of my clients are probably teenage girls, to be honest. Um, and I, I just really feel for them, Irene. I just think never before have teenage girls have such a terrible time of it. Um, because every day is like a gladiatorial contest. And I see it, and I'm in schools all the time, and they they send a picture, a selfie of themselves, and it's like, gorgeous, hon, lovely, stunning, babe. You look gorgeous, and then someone says... All about their appearance. Someone says, it's all superficial about Mm. their appearance. I don't like your whatever it is. And then it's like devastation. Because it's a dopamine hit. When, you t- when I take a photograph and I put it up and someone goes, brilliant, Richard. You're like, oh, my God, brilliant. You know, but then when someone says negative, it's going to be a very. So it's
0: that reliance on external validation. And that's absolutely. where the pictures are actually, because it is a picture they're looking at. and judged say, by how you look.
1: I, I say nothing exemplifies the modern world of a teenager than the selfie. It's all looking inward. It's looking at yourself, not even inward, but it's looking at self. It's superficial. It's all about appearance, that's fake appearance.
0: And then, but, uh, but relating to other people in terms of how you look and yeah. expecting them to respond to that, exactly. as opposed to my, I have an interesting hobby, I have interesting <laughs> thoughts about this. This is who I am.
1: I talk to my daughters about this all the time. Mm. You're far more, value, far more important than your appearance, because that's that's something that's on the outside. What's in here, you know, what's deep in there, it's so important. And what I'd always say to parents comparison is the thief of joy Mm. and children are comparing themselves to filtered lives and we have to help themselves we have to help them out of that that erroneous when they look at an image and they see someone perfect like unblemished Mm. and like you know that's that's not true yet by heaven I think my love as rare as any she belied with false compare. I'm like, false compare is just, it's just so valueless and you need to see yourself more because as we all know, looks fade and your appearance moves very quickly and if you're going to pin your joy on your looks, well, that's going to be a very, very cold suffering transient world and so you got to show them there's more to you than your appearance and there's more to you than your looks and there's more substance in you and what you said about your hobbies and who you are and your character that's so much more important than looking at someone eating a fantastic dinner in somewhere and looking fantastic because they got a filter on
0: so if you have a top tip for parents in and around this area of children seeking a dopamine hit yeah being validated what, what would you say to parents to keep in mind?
1: Yeah, I would say around gaming and all that you got to keep an eye. On, you, you got my top tip I have to say all is on all of this is take the games out of the bedroom. Yeah, you can't that's just bottom line. that's bottom line. Okay. You, you can't manage it. It's too powerful. and your daughter or your son, but generally your daughter shouldn't have her phone as her alarm clock. she'll say it's my alarm clock. You got to go get an alarm clock and say, no, there's no we've all decided. It has to be a family effort. You can't come along and say, Irene we're taking your phone to your bedroom. It has to be all the family have decided. We're not having devices in the bedrooms anymore and that's where we're going to put them. And so you've got an alarm clock to wake you up because when a hit, when a, when all the research would show when a message comes in, a notification comes in, it's too powerful to resist. Your child would get up and check it.
0: So Richard Hogan, family psychotherapist, thank you very much. Thanks, Irene.
1: Parenting Podcast in association with Safe Food, helping you make better food choices.